be great support for the young actor. You know, look out for the people who are on set who have less experience than you do and talk to them. You know, uh, ask them if they need something. Uh, you know, we're in this together and we all look better when when we all are comfortable and, and, and gelling. And, uh, you know, just be nice to people. Welcome to Inside the Audition, the podcast where we go behind the scenes for a deep dive look into the world of auditions. I'm Joe Lars Larson, creator of Actors Audition Club, an international community helping actors book your dream roles in TV, film, and theater. And I'm Brandon Knox, actor, producer, and co-host. Each episode, we chat with actors and industry professionals to share their audition experiences, insights, and advice. We provide actors with actionable tips, strategies, and resources to help you elevate your auditions. We demystify the often intimidating and misunderstood world of auditions to help you succeed. So whether you're just starting out on your acting journey or you're a seasoned pro, join our Actors Audition Club members as we go Inside the Audition. Well, hello, everyone. Oh, look at this dramatic. Wow, what a showman. For those of you who are just listening to this podcast, you missed (laughs) a grand entrance. He popped up from below the camera with a top hat. What is that? This is top hat. Wow. Ever the showman, your vaudevillian. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome. This is episode 134 of Inside the Audition. I'm Lars. This is uh, Brandon Knox, uh, the top hat, the top hatted man. And a top of the morrow to you. I see what you did there. Yes. <laughs> uh, also known as BK Broiler. How are you, Brandon? I'm fantastic, Lars. It's Good. been a it's been a great week so far, and I'm I'm having a blast. You were just here in the studio earlier. You had a few morning sessions with some of our Actors Audition Club members, and then I you did. scooted home for the audition. What a, what a, or for the uh, for the podcast here. And we've got a doozy. Um, so I think we should just get into it. Yeah, uh, and get our guest in here. It's been um, hard to believe today's guest is just appearing on the podcast, uh, but he's here finally. He's too busy. He's always on set. He's always doing shows. He's always traveling all over the globe. Uh, but he's here today. Uh, do we have a clip? We don't have a clip, do we? Uh, no, but I'm going oh. to be sharing his IMDb in the comments. So All right, you will be sharing some out. clips. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today, he's got a ton of experience in film, television, animation, radio and TV commercials, and interactive theater. You might have seen him on such shows as The Detectives, Murdoch Mysteries, Suits, Orphan Black, Degrassi, The Next Generation, Saving Hope, Hell on Wheels, Flashpoint, Nikita, Quantico, and most recently playing Mike McCluskey in the iconic show Heartland on CBC. And on top of all that, he's also the founder of Big Time Productions, doing interactive murder mysteries all over the world, of which Brandon and I get the pleasure of acting in those with him. Please welcome to the studio on Inside the Audition, Peter Dillon. Hey, everybody. Nailed it. Second time's a charm. Welcome. Good to see you, Peter. Great to be here. Yes. Uh, well, first of all, we should say thanks for being at the podcast. And we're going to get into some of the big time stuff later. But uh, thank you for all the work that you do in, in providing uh, work opportunities for actors. Uh, I've been with big time for, I want to say, six years now. Brandon for, uh, yeah, you think? Six, oh, seven? I'd say it's like got to be eight. Yeah? It's got to be. Wow. We're in 2023 now. 
<laughs> what? Yeah, COVID was three years. I, Hang on, it's 2023. I know. I, I don't believe it either. I have to check my watch. Okay, uh, I've got some explaining to do. There's been some people missing me for the last three years. Uh, but welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. You've got a ton of experience in TV and film auditioning, and uh, we also love you because you're you've been proactive in your own career, creating your own opportunities for yourself and for other actors. Uh, but first, our first segment is something called the One Minute Life Story. Brandon's going to put 60 seconds up on a clock. Oh, boy. And it's going to count up. It's going to count up. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Peter Dillon's One Minute Life Story. Action. I didn't know I had to do this. Where do I begin? Uh, let me see. Where do I begin? I uh, begin because I've always wanted to be an actor when I was very young. Uh, very little money in my family. We had a black and white TV and we sat on a credenza. And the credenza is where our TV sat. We all sat around the, the living room watching it. Well, when the TV broke, my dad would literally take the tube out of the back of the TV and say, here, go down to the corner store and see if you can get a replacement tube. And uh, then they ran out of tubes at the convenience store. This is, honest to God, this is the truth. So I came back. There was no news on that night. The TV was on the floor and uh, the credenza, credenza sat empty so i sat down on it and the first thing i asked was what is a credenza and uh, my mom said it's not a seat uh but I, I sat there anyway and i did the news um for my family and uh i made them laugh and uh i kind of thought well this is really cool six kids in my family so getting attention was a big deal and that kind of kicked things off uh my uh, when i was in high school my guidance counselor i'm running out of time my guidance counselor said what do you want to do for a living i said i want to be a comedic actor comedic actor nobody can do that <laughs> and anyway this is where i am today and it all worked out so far <laughs> ding 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 that was correct that was peter dillon's one minute life story uh, just for the record i want to say uh, all of our listeners you already know this that is the most times the word credenza has ever been spoken on the podcast i knew i could do it i knew i, could do it. <laughs> I think that was uh, a credenza's one minute life story <laughs> it might have been yeah <laughs> Credenza, the Peter Dillon story. Yeah, there's your biopic right there. Yeah. Welcome. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, since this is inside the audition, we like to have some focus on audition experiences. Do you remember one of your first successful professional bookings? Yeah, I. Um, you know, I wanted to be a professional actor, and how do you do that, especially in a place like Ottawa, where I grew up? So uh, there's a there's a corner store near my house, a little, uh, little convenience store called Yaggies, and I hung out with the kids of the uh, store owner. And uh, I went in one day looking for this uh, my buddy, who's who, one of the one of the kids in the family. And uh, his sister was behind the cash. I said, "Hey, where's Abdeen?" And they said, "Oh, Abdeen, he went down. There's a TV show, and they're doing this 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 casting call, this this cattle call." And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she gave me the details. And so I ran back home, looked up where the TV studio was, found out how to get there by bus. And I went to this cattle call. And uh, they said, okay, here's a little piece of the script. And I said, okay, great. And they said, wait here. And we're going to pair you up with somebody to audition for this thing. It was a TV, uh, it was a, um, a teenage soap opera called Denim Blues on CTV's uh, Ottawa affiliate. So I waited and waited and waited, and uh, they finally, I got a chance to audition, and uh, they set me up with this, to audition with this girl uh, who just happened to be Miss Teen Ottawa the year before. Beautiful, beautiful girl. And I'm like, oh my God, this, this is fantastic. First off, it's true what they say, you know, great way to meet girls. 
<laughs> but second of all, I thought I'm going to have a lot of attention on our audition because she is beautiful and talented as well. I said, this is really going to work out well. And so we auditioned. She was wonderful, uh, made the whole process really simple. And uh, about a week later, they called and said, hey, we want you to come back and, and uh, for this callback, have another audition. And uh, I said, OK, great. And I couldn't wait to go and see uh, Jane again, the Miss Teen Ottawa. But she wasn't there. And I asked where she was. She was my acting partner. And they said, no, no, you're the one that we want to see for this role. Uh, and uh, that was, uh, I ended up landing the role of, uh, of uh, Tyler on, uh, on Denim Blues. And uh, there was a 13-part series. It was right around the beginning of Degrassi. So it was kind of like the teenage, more of a teenage version of Degrassi. We were kind of a bit more cool and a bit more polished. Um, and you know, whatever happened to the grassy, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they got a bit more attention than we did, but I did 11 out of the 13 episodes and it was great. You know, I got my union card and I, it really kind of kicked off a, a career and that was 35 years ago. So, wow. Wow. Yes. And you were not a one hit wonder child actor. You've no. gone on to flourish. Had you, um, had you taken classes or anything before that? Or it was just like, what is this world? And you stumbled into it and it worked out. Yeah, I, I think I may have uh, may have taken like a uh, like a just a general interest uh, theater class, and of course I did I did uh, drama class in high school and that sort of thing, and got a lot of positive reinforcement. My high school drama teacher, Mr. Paul Armstrong, uh, you know, I remember doing a, a sketch, and he came up to me afterwards and said that was really funny. Like you, you got a lot of talent, and and he was as surprised as I was. But it was really the kind of one of the first times I really got a you know positive reinforcement from school and. So I credit him with a lot of, um, uh, you know, with a lot of building up that that the the thought in my head that this was possible. This uh, this is something I I was uh, I was maybe good at, and I, I should pursue and and, and try. And uh, but I, I took a few classes, and and I didn't really like what I was um, what I was learning so much, and so. Um, uh, I ended up starting an acting school actually after a while, <laughs> after a while because of my time on set and I figured, but nobody's really teaching about about being on set, especially about the day player. Boy, there is a whole hidden world that you know everyone wants to be the 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 star and get on there and land a series and be on there all the time. But that's not you know you you can grow into that uh, when you're a regular part of a series. It's the day player. Boy, they got the toughest job anywhere. You you. You know, you end up joining a family, a well-established family, and you're stepping on there. Everybody knows each other from the from the craft services to wardrobe and all of the actors. They know their ins and outs, the inside jokes, the directors, the, the everybody knows each other. And you're stepping on there not knowing anybody. And it's the it's the toughest job. I say it's like I compare it to uh, to joining a, a house party at three o'clock in the morning. You know, everyone's mm. drunk and in love and you <laughs> arrive sober to drive people home and people are like, hey, and you know, you, you really have to get up to speed very quickly and, and try to find your way to fit in. And that's what I wanted to focus on with the acting school. I really wanted to talk about, okay, you're showing up and it's a, you're, you're, you know, you're walking into somebody else's production. How are you gonna make yourself feel comfortable in front of the camera? What are you gonna do? Who do you need to know? And, um, you know, of course this is, far after the uh, the initial audition process but it was an integral part that i thought needed to be taught yeah that's a great point you are like it's especially if it's it's been a few seasons you're walking into this well-oiled machine when when you were saying house party i was thinking house party or like 
uh, senior year of high school, but then you're the new kid and everybody already has their best friends and their cliques and it, you know how things operate and you're just wandering around like, where's my locker? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, to a degree, you, you don't know if you're ever going to see these people again. So, right. you know, you want to make a really good impression. You want to be on when you meet them. You don't want to be stumbling about and asking where the library is. You want, you know, you want to be the <laughs> one who's offering to get my cigarettes by the gym afterwards. Yeah, don't ask for the library. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Get this guy out of here. What's a library? Uh, um, I love this. This is great. Um, can you share uh, a uh, unique, memorable audition experience? Uh, boy, you know, with with auditions, uh, and Brennan and I were talking about this earlier, you know, every audition is, is, is different. And, and I used to hate auditions. I really, really, it, they bothered me. It was, uh, you know, this major investment to, 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 to see, you know, to see if I would even get a chance to be seen. And I just thought, you know, there was too much that was going to go into it. And then I kind of had a, a change of mind about it. I thought, boy, what a great opportunity to play. What a great opportunity right. to stretch my wings with nothing to lose. Try a role or, you know, um, uh, a character add a character trait that you wouldn't normally do and just try try something a little different um and you know when you have a good audition piece when when you read it and it only takes you one or two reads and suddenly you have the material you know the material two things click one is that you know it's good writing but it's good writing for your style of acting so you know there's some people who really like old english some people who really like um uh um, you know, comedic uh, uh, script. Some people who really like the the slow paced, dramatic, drawn out. And I think it, as an actor, if you read something and you're like, "Wow, man, that clicks," then you really get that step up. You really get that sense. I can do this. I can knock this out of the park. It's a comedy, and I'm and I'm I, I know I'm hitting the jokes. I know that my reader is trying not to laugh because they're seeing something they they haven't um, they haven't seen, mm -hmm. but. Taking the chance, even the parts where you're like, I, well, I wouldn't normally play this part, uh, 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 a prince, for example, or, or uh, um, you know, or, uh, uh, yeah, a prince would be pro probably something I read for a couple of weeks ago. And I thought I would never do that. I've never read for that role before. But I thought what a great opportunity to not move, to move with my shoulders as opposed to my to my neck um, and that sort of thing. Uh, and just to completely try something different. I didn't get the part. <laughs> but <laughs> so you but you, you took a risk, to... right? And that, yeah. I think that's one of the most important things is that you need to be able to have the freedom to take those risks. Because if you don't, then you're just rigid. Like you're just doing the same things over and over and over again. And you're not flexing any muscles. You, if, you, if you're not finding a way to take risk in a self-tape or an audition, then you're not doing what you need to do. You're just playing in the safe zone. And as a performer, you can't do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you know, everyone's afraid of being, uh, of looking like they can't act because they took a chance mm -hmm. and somebody looked at it and went, woo, boy, that stunk up the room. But we've all stunk up the room. Every yeah. actor who's ever gone on and done anything, anybody who's ever landed a role and auditioned more than once has stunk up the room at least once. Oh, yeah. We, we read a quote from uh, the Mel Brook autobiography all about me a little while ago, and uh, it was uh, an ode to failure. And he talks about how, like, you have to fail. If you don't fail, you're never going to learn. And, like, you need to fall fat, flat on your face sometimes. And it's scary. It's, it's not something we want to do, but it's net 
a necessity so that you do get better. You do gain, you gain more experience because you know how people are going to react. You know how to push those reactions and you can play with it more. Certainly. And, you know, if you if you're using your instinct in the middle of it and you do something that uh, that feels right at that moment, I always love when someone watches it afterwards and they go, oh, my God, that was great. When you did that, when you when you hit the wall with your fist before you left that that scene, that was great. <laughs> and it wasn't in the scene. It wasn't written there, but it would just felt like something you should do. The instinct was um, was there and that pays off. So I don't know if there was a memorable moment from any one particular audition, but, you know, you, I'm always learning. I'm always, uh, always learning, always trying to, to make the next audition better than the one before. You know? yeah, I, I, I love, well, go ahead, Peter. You no, know, and I said, the other thing was that, that I wanted to add there was that there's a certain amount of maturity that comes with those auditions. And you do get to a point in your head where you say, uh, where you look back and go, man, thank, thank God I didn't get that audition. Thank God I didn't get that role. And, you, and your friends go, what, what do you mean? Thank God you didn't get it. Don't you want it? Yeah, I want everything. Everything I auditioned for, I want that role. But but better for me to not be cast in a role that I'm not suited for. So I don't need to show up and, and shoot a scene where someone is sitting on a side going, wow, this guy stinks. This, this casting is terrible. Or years later, someone's watching the DVD thinking, yikes, well, you know, this, this is the brown stain on his, on his, uh, the skid mark on this guy's, uh, right. you know, the history of his, his resume, because it was such a bad role to play. We have to trust casting directors and it's a tough thing to do, but when you don't get cast, you got to go, okay, well, there's a reason for it. And, mm -hmm. you know, and you hope that the person who did get cast is really, really fantastic. So that, you know, and, and that you were you placed that the casting director said, boy, they were memorable. They really had something. Let's see if we can find something for them later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love I love what you say there, Peter, too. Um, we talk a lot about mindsets uh, and just your thoughts and just the perspective. Like, yeah, it's easy to think of the either the drudgery of the time or all the energy and then the investment. Oh, I'm going to spend an entire weekend learning these lines and rehearsing this scene to then maybe not get the part versus the attitude of, oh, this is an opportunity to play. This is an opportunity to create. This is an opportunity to express myself. And then you find joy in the process rather than only finding joy if you book it and everything else sucks. And, oh, what a friggin' waste of time that is and all the negative things that people can think. It's, it's you've really switched that. But it's also interesting in your case, I bet part of that resentment of, uh, like I'm spending all this time just to to get the maybe is probably what spawned you creating big time productions and doing all your own shows and creating all your own work, which we can talk about that uh, a little later. Um, and, and the one other thing too, I, I just wanted to highlight is you you guys both mentioned it is um, you said um, there's reasons there's other like you there's other reasons that you cannot get the part other than your performance. There's a million reasons. You could be amazing yeah. and they could have 50 people who are like, yeah, these are all talented, trained, super capable actors, but only one person can get it. So if we all get into a bout of depression when you don't book something, it's like you have no idea why you didn't get that. So it's about, did you feel strong about what you had control of, which is the audition? And if you can feel good about that, then you can wash your hands of it. And if they want you, they want you. And if they don't, then you're on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. And you, you, you have to make sure that you're putting out good product. 
you got to make sure that your your auditions are are good. They're solid auditions and that you're really proud of what you're doing. And I think if you work on it from that perspective and, you know, we always hope we always we always hope that the cast director is going to come back with uh, with something positive, even if it's not an offer. But um, but yeah, it is about mindset. And uh, if you feel like you're getting better and better and uh, even if you're not landing the role, it's going to pay off eventually. You got to believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, th- I think partly some internal validation of I'm doing good work versus did they like me? Did they like me? Do you approve? Am I an actor because you liked me? Was that good? Like that kind of energy is just bad for bad. It's bad for the soul, but it's just bad for business too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think a lot, uh, you know, a lot of actors, it's very easy to fall into that that really negative mindset. Like, like, look, look, I've donated all this time to put forward this audition and I'm not even getting any feedback. Look at everything that I'm doing. And um, uh, so I I think it's key that you, that you really do flip it around. Now I know people who audition all the time for stuff that they shouldn't audition for. And I, and I know people who, you know, put everything in their life secondary to audition when sometimes they should just turn down an audition. Um, But, uh, but if you're going to audition, you got to put your best foot forward. Uh, you know, and right. you got you got to find a happy place in your in your brain to have fun with it for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, let's talk about uh, your process a little bit. Um, so, your agent, you get an email from your agent. Here's the deal. Here's the script. Here's a breakdown from the time you get it to the time you shoot it. How does that look for Peter Dillon? It all depends on how much time I have. So, I just shot something, uh, auditioned for something this afternoon. Uh, did a soft tape about a half an hour before we we got started here. And um, uh, that came in yesterday and it was due today at three o'clock. So that's a very quick turnaround. Uh, So I know I I had to dedicate a certain amount of time to that fairly quickly. So I do a very quick scan of it to begin with. I read everything on the page and then I break it down. And I I, uh, almost read the sides backwards to to see if what's being motivated, what the end effect should be Mm. and how it is different from where I started. And there has to be movement in the character. We, it cannot be, uh, it, you can't start and end with these on the same uh, on the same note, or we end up with flatlining, and we all know what flatlining means in a in a medical drama or in life. So you know, try to find uh, something memorable within the uh, within the um, uh, the sides, uh, and what is it that you're going to do that's going to be perhaps a bit different than everyone else. Uh, then I write out all my lines, just my lines, go over it, absorb those lines. And then um, I've got a wonderful uh, reader who you guys know, uh, my wonderful Erin. And she really puts my feet to the fire. She is, uh, she turns into a very um, tough negotiator. I shouldn't even say negotiator because there's no negotiating. <laughs> like that sucks. Uh, you're not going to put that in with my voice on it. I'm like, okay, so what are we going to do to change it? <laughs> Seriously, so she's, she's great. She's wonderful and she's a wonderful reader and she's very critical. And um, which I think is really important with a, with a reader, somebody who can actually give you their honest feedback without worrying about your ego. Um, and, uh, and sometimes we argue sometimes, you know, she'll say, you know, you're moving too much. And I'll say, I'm not moving too much. I'm, I'm happy with the amount I'm moving. There's a nervous energy and it has to be there. And she'll say, okay, I'm just telling you, you're wrong. So go ahead. Let's (laughs) take a look at it and do it a couple of different times. And so she has a really critical eye. So we'll shoot it a bunch of times and, you know, make sure that the eye lines are good make sure that the, the, the pace is good, depending on whether it's a, 
you know, whether it's a comedy, if it's a, if it's a drama, if it's a you know, film or television, what it's, what it is and um, make sure the pacing is good and, and package and send it off. And uh, the process that I use, I, I shoot everything on an iPhone and within seven minutes of have, having the take that I want or the takes that I want, uh, I can have it packaged, uploaded and sent off to my agent. So it's a very quick process. And sometimes if I'm on the move, I'll literally shoot it and then go on about my day and I'll be, uh, you know, waiting for a flight or something and I will, I'll package it at that point as I'm sitting at the airport and have it sent off to my agent. So it's a very streamlined, easy process. And, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of terrible things about COVID, but one of the good things is I think we ended up with this self tape ability and the polished up, um, uh, you know, skill set to, to be able to shoot good quality auditions. Let's face it. Self tapes are wonderful for the actor who maybe needs a couple kicks that they can do impress. And, um, and it's a great way to have a record of what you've done and how far you've come. So anyway, that's what, that's what my process basically looks at. It's, it's pretty simple. If it's a meaty, really meaty uh, role, like uh, with, uh, with um, Heartland, I could tell that there was more to it, that there, it, there, even though they didn't say it, I had a very good idea of what could be with this character. So I really did a backstory on this character so much so that when I, when I did land the part and I went to shoot the first episode, um, I got talking to one of the executive producers over breakfast, actually, and he said, so where do you see this character going? And I knew, I, I just told him everything that I'd thought of, everything that, that I had come up with for the audition. And he said, wow, that's great. That's great. Stay tuned. Let's see what happens. And so that turned into three episodes so far. We're on break right now. We'll see if Heartland comes back next year. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully Mike McCluskey does as well. That's great. Ooh. Uh, yeah, that's like it reminds me of the old uh, Matthew McConaughey. Know your guy. He's like that's his number one tip. Really know who, know who you are, and if you know that, then the rest takes care of itself. Yeah, I, I, I sorry, Lars. Let me just interrupt there. That it, I think if we only see the sides for the lines, and not a character, I think that comes across on screen. I think I think a casting director can see a mile away if you are regurgitating lines they can see it. If there's no character there, if there's no history, if there's no reason for, for why this guy is presenting the way he is, if there's no real life behind him, behind those eyes, I think casting directors see that right away. And I think they either fast forward or they just stop and move on to the next clip. Right. Right. Or you would just blend in with all the other reads, like 80% of the reads are, are kind of flat like that. And, and then there's a few that stand out with something special. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you a horseman as well? Uh, are you out there on the horse uh, in the show? Uh, not yet. I uh, took some some riding lessons, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> special skills, adding those special skills. Yeah, uh, and that shoots out in uh, north of Calgary somewhere. Yeah, yeah, in and around Calgary. Right so within, the, the whole... within an, uh, an hour and twenty minute loop around Calgary. Beautiful. Yeah, the, the sets and the, the landscape looks beautiful in that show. So I'm sure those are fun days. Yeah, the environment is certainly one of the characters in the show. You know, it, it's so beautifully shot. And even, you know, you know, being in transport, going to, to set, going to High River or something. And you're just looking at the window uh, and getting really lost in the scenery and, you know, being able to see forever. Just a, a really beautiful place to shoot. And they're a great family. They they really are a family. I was very worried when I when I started when I shot my first scene with them because it was a uh, uh, it was a kitchen table scene. So where the whole family comes together. So I, I knew Michelle Morgan. I had uh, I did a movie with Michelle before uh, Michelle plays um, Lou on uh, Heartland. 
And so uh, when I got cast, she sent me a note saying, hey, Pete, congratulations. Looking forward to seeing you on set. But I'm a sp- I, I come on as this guy who has this history with, uh, with uh, Tim, uh, one of the main characters. And uh, I sit down at the dining room or at the kitchen table and go through this whole spiel. And I really run my mouth off during this first time meeting all these people sitting at the table. And I mean, uh, they, they know each other so well. They know the process so well. We were on the, the lot, studio lot, and uh, uh, the AD said to me, okay, they're waiting for you on set, go ahead. And I walked over to a building. I'm like, I, is, where's the door? Like, how do I, I don't even, <laughs> so they had to show me where the door was. And then you're, you know, this in this great big dark warehouse. I'm like, someone's gonna have to bring me to set here. I have no idea. It's a massive warehouse. And I get there and I thought, boy, I have to fake every ounce of confidence right now as I step on set. And I've got to be, when I walk through the door, I cannot be Pete Dillon waiting to see where I fit in. I've got to show them that I'm Mike McCluskey and I do fit in. And so I took a step through the door and I said, hey, everybody, I'm here. And uh, luckily, Michelle jumped up right away and said, Pete, and you know, broke the ice right there. But I just thought eh, this would be a terrible way to to you know, kind of be meek and sit back and wait for the show to come to me. It w- you know, you'd, I think I would have lost a lot of energy and a lot of, uh, um, a lot of uh, confidence in the, in the, in the entire thing and, and, and myself actually. So. Yeah, that's such a great, that's a very intelligent insight to be able to recognize like that, Oh, actor thoughts are affecting character thoughts here, and I can't let my human actor anxieties uh, in in this moment affect the real moment that we're actually supposed to be shooting. That's really. Yeah, and I, that's and I think, sorry, I, I and I think sometimes, or oftentimes, you know, actors get caught up in the actors that they're working with, and they they research them, and they know all about them, and they 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 psych themselves out. You know, they they. You know, it, it, it's so easy to get lost in who you're working with. I try to do very little research on the people that I'm working with. I, I consider the, their, their characters. Um, you know, uh, 24 years ago, I did The Bone Collector, and I met, you know, Angelina Jolie and and uh, Denzel Washington. In the, uh, and uh, I had a very, very small role. And But as we were standing around the first day, we were in the studio in Montreal, in um, what was um, Denzel's character's um, loft. And we're walking around and he's in a hospital bed and uh, people are milling about. And some of the actors I was working with were staring, like just staring at him, just gobsmacked. And I wasn't paying any attention to him. And um, walking around, and it was because I wasn't paying any attention to him, just you know, doing my thing, that I actually got into a conversation with him. And he said, come on over here. And he was lying there in the bed and he had been given photos actual crime scene photos of this guy who who had killed himself in um central park uh one of the uh consultants on this set uh, i believe his name was hal sherman was a real new york police officer and he had these these photos and denzel washington wanted to see these photos so he's flipping through them and he says hey did you see these and you know everyone stopped and looked over and they saw that he was talking to me and i i actually didn't believe that he was talking to me i'm like yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I think it it, it it was even better because i really didn't care if he was talking to me and he goes no no come here come here and i basically nudged up on the on the bed beside him and we were looking at these photos and the actors are going by going what the hell How, what is what and it was just because i it wasn't paying any special attention to him so but it was, uh-huh. a, it was a great experience many years ago but i just don't don't uh, focus on who i'm working with 
a heartwarming moment with Denzel looking at murder <laughs> pictures. <laughs> yeah. No other way to spend a magical afternoon, huh? <laughs> okay. um, uh, well, Peter, you've, you've preemptively uh, answered our next question, uh, but maybe we go a little deeper or you can add another one. Uh, normally we're asking about unforgettable onset experiences. I know you've got uh, Heartland. You just mentioned that one. Is there any others that you want to share? Uh, Heart, you know, Heartland is it probably certainly one of my one of my favorites. Uh, it's just it's such a great experience, and it's a great story and really great actors. Um, but I, I, you know, I've been blessed to work with a lot of different folks in in different uh, different environments. I shot uh, an episode of Nikita in Hamilton one night, and I was scheduled to shoot a, um, a project called MMA Super Eight in Montreal the next morning. Uh, they had to move the schedule around and then we had freezing rain. Um, and so the producers were trying to get me to Montreal and they had, uh, they had a, a Johnny Hendricks, I believe his name was a, a MMA fighter. who was a champ fighter on set waiting to shoot at the Montreal, at the bell center uh, the next day. Um, so I, I was dealing with Maggie Q one night with, with uh, um, where she punches me in the head with a, and flips me over with uh, with a gun in her hand, uh, and then being taken very quickly and driven through the night to Montreal to get there by eight o'clock in the morning to shoot that project. So I had had a lot of really good, fun experiences um, working with a lot of great actors. You know, I, I've 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 been blessed. Some some you know some actors are are not as gracious as others. They're they're kind of into their into their uh, own process, maybe a bit too deep. But there's been a lot of great chances to sit and talk and uh, feel like you're part of the family. But again, especially with Heartland, I got to say Heartland was, is certainly uh, one of my faves for sure. Can you share just a few onset tips? Like if you were to put together the, the Pete Dillon's onset success list, just a few of what you would say. Yeah. First off, I would, uh, I would say be the, be the greatest person that anybody has ever worked with. And I don't mean greatest actor. I, greatest person be the the nicest the kindest the friendliest um the loveliest uh leave the set better than you arrived so and be memorable for all the right reasons uh and be forgiving when when you are dealing with actors who perhaps don't have as good a grasp on their material as as uh perhaps you do or perhaps a uh, production that hoped or maybe they're having a bad day just be forgiving it's not your battle to fight and be supportive of that actor. Day will come. The day will come when you will need that support. You will need that um, someone to, to get that. But just be the be the best person. When I when I did Bone Collector, uh, you know, twenty five years ago, twenty four years ago, uh, I worked with Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill memorized everybody's name on set, every crew member's name, and he when he arrived, he would say good morning to everybody. Um, if you're not an actor, you would probably know that you probably don't know that regardless of the time of day, when your day starts on a project, you say good morning because it is your morning. So even if it's four o'clock in the afternoon, you still say good morning to each other. Uh, and Ed would say good morning. And they, he would learn everyone's name. And if he didn't get someone's name right, or if he didn't know someone's name, he would stop and get their name. And the next day he'd come in and say it. And boy, I thought, you know, here's a guy who doesn't have to do this. And he makes it a point and he becomes extra memorable in the best possible way for that. And so let me back up and tell a story that I wasn't going to tell. And that is the last day that I was shooting on Heartland. I flew into uh, Calgary. Usually I, the, the flight uh, arrives there at 10 a.m. I usually sleep at 2 o'clock for a couple hours so that I'm good to go. Uh, and uh, I go to bed at like 6 o'clock 
usually in the next morning, five or five thirty or six o'clock call time, which was the case my last day on set. I wasn't going to tell a story. Uh, and so that's fine. I, 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 I arrived, I couldn't sleep. Uh, I spent my day walking around, tried everything, could not sleep. And, uh, I went and had dinner at five o'clock and at five 30, I got my call time five 30 the next morning. They were going to pick me up and a brand new, I had three full scenes that were completely rewritten. And so I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, I know I've, I've got to get to bed. I know I'm exhausted, I, but I got to learn completely. They completely changed these lines. They even flipped lines and gave other uh, the, the guy I was working with, um, Tim, they gave him a lot of my lines and gave me all brand new lines. I thought, oh, my God. So I was worried about it. Anyway, I had dinner, went back to the hotel, set my phone. Uh, my charger wasn't long enough, put the phone on the bed beside me, went to sleep. 5.30 call time. Uh, set my alarm to to go off at like 4.30 so I get up and shower. And at 7.30 or 6.30 rather, my uh, I wake up and I'm, I am I look at the alarm and I go, hang on, it can't be 6.30 because my maybe the time changed. What? No, I rolled over. The pillow covered my phone and someone was pounding on the door. They were trying to get security in to open the door to get me out of bed to wake oh, me up no. to get set. Transport was there. We were shooting an hour out of town. And I thought, oh, my God. I, I, and they said, come on. You know, they finally got. I said, I, I said, I'll be right out. And I said, no, come out now. I said, look, I got a shower. I just woke up. Give me 15 minutes. I'll see you down transport. I uh, got showered in 15 minutes. I was down there and I, uh, I apologize profusely. I am. I've never, ever in my career, never been late for a shoot. Never, you know, uh, ne never missed anything. I'm always the guy who's there and I'm there early. So I, I couldn't believe it. And that hour was a very, very long ride to uh, to set. And I thought, boy, I really cooked myself on this. I'm trying to leave a positive experience, a positive, um, uh, you know, uh, reputation, a, a positive impact on on the people I work with. And this happens. And now this is I'm shooting my third episode. And I thought, oh, man, I can't believe it. So I call Aaron, my, my partner, and I say to her, uh, this is what happened. And she said, oh, my God, I, 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 what are you going to do? And I said, what am I going to do? I can't do anything. I'm, I'm going to say a little prayer. I'm going to say my apologies, and I'm going to hope that everything works out. And uh, I, I've got to get out, and I've got to be as professional as possible, and I have to make sure that I'm delivering. I'm firing on all cylinders, and I'm going to focus right now on learning these lines, and that's what it's going to be. And uh, I hung up the phone and the driver put her hand back and said, hold my hand. I held her hand. She said a prayer, I, I, which really touched me. We got to settle a little bit long, uh, a little bit later. And I apologized to everybody. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? Ah, they wouldn't have been ready anyway. Now, look, <laughs> we arrive an hour late on set. They would have been ready. But everybody was so, so gracious. And their concern became, yeah, you have all these new lines. Are you going to be OK with it? And I thought, yeah, don't you worry about that. I'm going to do everything that's in my control. And I, I didn't miss a line. I didn't miss a beat. The day was my greatest day on set, the best experience I ever had. Um, and I, it taught me that I can rely on myself. It taught me that, you know, things happen that you got to be prepared. And it taught me, boy, everyone has a bad day. You better be prepared to support other people when they have theirs. So, yeah, that's a great story. What a horrible <laughs> feeling. Yeah. I thought they were going to either write me out of the scenes or fire me. Just say right. Yeah, and especially your rep reputation. Like Brandon and I know you working from from shows and call times are important, and you're you're always there when you need to be, and and mm -hmm. and and early too. But that's a great example of like 
yeah, what do you do when you do fuck up and how do you recover from yeah. that gracefully and, and professionally without like you, some people make that even a bigger deal where maybe if all day you kept uh, continually apologizing, then you let it get in your head and then you were apologizing on set and it fucked up the scenes and all that stuff. Then it, then it would have been like, Oh my God, this Peter, this Peter guy. <laughs> exactly. And you know, it, we've all been with actors who, you know, who, who, come to set with a story uh, i didn't sleep last night right. oh i'm not feeling well or you know it's it's like a precursor for the the terrible acting that they're about to deliver and and they don't see it that way they think oh yeah i've covered all the bases but you know you, you never ever want to have an excuse you want to you want to make sure that your work speaks for itself and you want to make sure that you don't slink away you don't try to blame somebody else you don't hand off an excuse and and i just thought i've got to i've got to face the music here and the first thing i did when i got i went right to production i said i am so sorry i have no excuse for you i i this has never happened and i hope you forgive me they're like oh yeah yeah which is the right thing for them to do frankly because had they come down on me I would have had a, right. an absolute terrible day. It would have been a really a miserable experience. So, um, so it, it all completely worked out. But it's just another reason why I really love the Heartland folks a lot, and it's just been a great experience. Uh, on the topic of um, excuses in Toronto, it's the TTC or traffic. Any big city, it's oh, it's the traffic. It's like, well, you knew traffic and subways and everything is slow. Like you're just not leaving early enough. Like, yeah. Why is that always your excuse? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, we want to talk a little bit about Big Time because yeah. you are also the founder. Uh, you're the the director and the uh, what's the the director of crime and punishment? No, or... punishment. Punishment. Right. Right. I blew it. I blew it. Yeah. yeah. Very important. Yeah. Yeah. How did I blow that? Yeah. That's way funnier. <laughs> of uh, of Big Time Productions, Big Time Murder, Murder Mystery Ottawa, Murder Mystery Toronto. Uh, Brandon and I have worked in those interactive shows, corporate, charity, special events, birthday parties, anniversaries. Uh, so talk a little bit about Big Time, how you created that and how that's going. It's a pretty common story, I think, for a lot of actors. You, you, you're hoping to audition a lot, uh, but then you get a job and you're hoping you don't audition a lot during work hours because you're going to your, your, you know, get canned for missing another day. And uh, so early on, uh, 31 years ago, 31 years ago, um, I, uh, I I thought I better start my own company. Uh, I, I better do something that I enjoy doing um, so that, uh, you know, if the boss is mad at me, it's me. And so I started, uh, well, it was, it was called Big Time Comedy to begin with, and then Big Time Productions, and then Big Time Murder Productions. But initially, originally it was a, an entertainment, entertainment brokerage where you could do anything from a book a murder mystery to a, a balloonogram to a DJ and anything else. And then in short order, I realized the murder mysteries were just so much fun and we were having so much success with them and really uh, bringing out the comedic element of murder mysteries. Because at that time, murder mystery dinner theater was very serious. And, uh, you know, you really the, the audience had to think that they were really seeing a murder and they were they were really going to be stumped. And if you, if you could really stump them, boy, you must have done a great job. And I thought, no, let's go with the comedic side of things. So yeah, I started that and started Murder Mystery Ottawa and Murder Mystery Toronto as their own kind of... Um, entities within uh, under the big time murder productions um, umbrella 
and uh, and it's been great, uh, you know, entertaining people all over the world. Uh, one of my favorite stories is getting the call from the Canadian military asking if we can put together a, um, uh, a high morale show uh, to that, that's funny. It's fast paced uh, to entertain the troops in the Persian Gulf as part of Operation Apollo in, in uh, January 2003. And we said, well, we're not going to do a murder mystery. That's not appropriate. And they said, <laughs> and they said, no, it wouldn't be. Uh, so I said, well, what if we, what do we have all these comedic elements, like comedic acts that we do within our murder mysteries? What if we take that and sew it together into a variety show, into a 60 minute variety show? Uh, and they said, yeah, talk to us about that. Pitch it. And I, I started talking. I didn't have a show. I just started talking. And by the end of it, they're like, oh, I love it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Write that up. Send it to us. Let's do it. So we did. We went to the we went to the Persian Gulf and, and uh, boarded the plane uh, from Petawawa, Ontario, from the base and um, with a whole bunch of other um, uh, performers, a bunch of dancers. And there was a comedian uh, and uh, uh, Barney Bentall was one of the uh, musical acts and uh, Tony D. And we just this wonderful family. We all kind of got together to produce this two hour show. And we didn't know where the door closed. And they said, OK, this is what's happening. We're stopping in Greece and then we're going to end up in Dubai. And uh, we'll be entertaining uh, both on frigates, the Canadian frigates, uh, as well as in the middle of the desert. And so that's what we did. It was really, it was really amazing. That was one of our best experiences. But that, but also we, you know, we entertained in uh, St. Martin and uh, folks arriving at St. Martin. Uh, we did 10 days there. We were treated like rock stars. We did uh, in Bermuda. We had the, our show that I talk about with, uh, with uh, uh, the uh, Canadian forces that turned into our big time idol variety show as both you guys know, because you both started in that show, a very funny, fast paced show. Audiences love it. Uh, and that show we brought to Bermuda and um, the Bermuda, Bermuda tourism bought that show to entertain folks arriving to their to their island. I think it was back in 2007. So we've had a lot of success in that way. But of course, uh, Meat and Potatoes is entertaining groups of 10 to 2000 people um, with our uh, do it yourself dinner party mysteries uh, or our you down as we call them or our full caliber shows where we have the full cast of professional performers playing them, or our big time idol variety show. And then, of course, COVID happened. And uh, I don't know if you guys know, but COVID actually, you know, wiped out a lot of business, wiped them out. I heard about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we made a couple of newspapers. <laughs> and, and so we went from, uh, you know, from having a record breaking year to a uh, zero revenue business overnight. Uh, there wasn't a lot of room for uh, up close, interactive, immersive entertainment, live entertainment when everyone was worried about wearing a mask and not talking to anybody and staying home. So uh, it took about seven weeks and I designed our show called uh, Zoom Mystery. I started a new company called ZoomMystery.com where we took uh, our kind of you done it mysteries, put them into a Zoom format and had our best year ever in uh, from May 2020 to 2021. It was our best year ever entertaining groups all over the world, but primarily the US, Texas, California, New York and Florida. Uh, a lot of call center employees and that sort of thing. Um, and so we filled ourselves, the timeline really, really well filled our schedules during COVID. And of course, now we're back. So it's been really wonderful to be able to work the two things together. I, I say to Aaron, you know, it, it, there's always something happening. Either it, we're really busy with shows or really busy with auditions and they always kind of merge and they always have kind of worked together um, over the last um, 31 years anyway, with uh, big time being around. So it's been it's been great. Where's the best place for people to look up uh, which website for Big Time? Is it BigTimeMurder.com? 
BigTimeMurder.com for the mothership. And if you're in Toronto, MurderMysteryToronto.com. And if you're in Ottawa, MurderMysteryOttawa.com. In Ottawa, we do public shows as well. So uh, currently, we're running a show called Harry Karaoke about once a month. So you can see that, MurderMysteryOttawa.com. Beautiful. Uh, I just put Big Time Murder. Oh, uh, Brandon, you can put the others in uh, in the comments there. Um, yeah, one of the, I mean, that's a, amazing what you've done. Not only do you create work for yourself, but I think you've transcended a certain level of, of artist where for a lot of people just scrapping it together to make a living by themselves and pay bills is that's a huge undertaking. But then the next level of creating other opportunities and helping other actors, like there's been, there's been many Christmases that I've had more presents for my families, uh, because I've had more money in my pocket from uh, all the Christmas work and, and holiday parties that we do with big time. So thank you for all that work uh, mm -hmm. that you provide. Um, and I know that sometimes you are casting. We have our audience is actors. We've uh, I referred Brandon to you after meeting Brandon and I've had the opportunity to refer lots of brilliant comedians and actors here in Toronto to you. So what's the best way for someone to reach out um, to you for casting opportunities? Yeah, you can send an email to casting at murdermysterytoronto.com. And I got to plug you two guys because you two guys are, you're not just great performers on, but you take great responsibility for the audience. And you can tell when, when, someone loves what they do when they love being an entertainer when they care so much about the audience and you guys are both very funny very fast-paced and you can carry the room and so anytime you've got talent like you guys where the other the actors that you're working with will stop what they're doing and watch you because you <laughs> you're, you're so very engaging is really uh is really quite a sign so anybody listening out there if when you hear that these guys are in a show come out and see them in a show because uh they're both spectacularly spe spectacularly talented in that respect as well yeah if you haven't seen brandon the bk broilers dance uh just watch his <laughs> dance moves donnie the love god and the dance moves yeah he dances up a storm uh that's great uh, yeah and those are those are great gigs are very flexible for actors they're tons of fun they're usually in swanky venues we get often well fed at the venue as well um uh, short call times, not a ton of rehearsal time necessary, well paid. So, yeah, it's it's great opportunities. And I know in your busy season, often you've got multiple shows and multiple casts out. you got a couple shows in Ottawa happen, a couple here. Um, so it's, it's it's great. Super fun. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, I wanted to plug this. There it is. This is the Big Time Murder mug shot. Knocking them dead since 92. Yeah. 92 was a good year. The Blue Jays win the World Series for the first time, and uh, Peter Dillon starts Big Time Murder. I can't take all the credit for the Blue Jays' success. <laughs> <laughs> really but most fired, of it. Most of really it. fired them up. They are like, murder mysteries? This is exactly what we needed. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, Pete, what advice would you give to uh, your past actor, uh, artist, former self? Um, I think just what I said before, look at every project differently, treat everybody with the ultimate, uh, respect. Um, don't take yourself too seriously. It's a, it's an easy thing to do. Uh, especially if you, you achieve a little success, I think it, you know, your ego can run away on you sometimes. Um, and, uh, be great support for the young actor, you know? look out for the people who are on set who have less experience than you do and talk to them, you know, uh, ask them if they need something. Uh, you know, we're in this together and we all look better 
when when we all are comfortable and 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 gelling and uh you know just be nice to people that you know um, treat everyone with everyone with respect and and uh, look out to see what you can do to be to be kind to your fellow actor because boy we got a tough job we got a really tough job and uh when it's all on the line there we know when we've had a bad day be supportive of each other and uh, celebrate each other and that's really a really big thing every actor thinks that they can they're the right person for the part uh and uh you know how many times have i heard somebody say oh i can't believe they got cast in that part i could have done it so much better yeah but they got it and you didn't so celebrate them pat them on the back uh find a way to really um celebrate them and uh and you know maybe they'll celebrate you too when when your turn comes but this isn't we're not competing against each other we're competing against ourselves and uh you know, fame and, and, and success on screen comes from, is a matter of timing. It's a matter of, you know, the, you know, the right part at the right time for the right actor being seen by the right people. And, you know, show me any famous person, any movie star. And if their timing wasn't just perfect, if they didn't have that right part at the right time, we wouldn't know who they are. So keep, keep swinging for the fence and, um, and uh, who knows, uh, you know, and, and, and enjoy every ounce of success that you get. Enjoy every opportunity that you get. And, uh, you know, if you're enjoying it all the time, then you don't need to be cast in order to feel like you've really won the game here. I'm going to give you a snap for that. Oh, boy. That was great. Um, I mean, that was a lot of that was great advice, not just for actors, but just for the world in general. So everyone who hears that, like, be kind to people, respect people know that you're all on the same team it's like mm -hmm. if, if the globe ever needs that kind of advice it's it's right now so, yeah uh yes everyone actor or no actor be kind respect people take care of people around you and and have fun um now uh future aspirations uh, you've got a great career behind you but uh we want to know what's your dream project that you want to create what's next what's what's on the horizon what does peter dylan dream about at night well, I mean, you know, there's always part of me that that wants to have uh, another series uh, in and uh, you know a regular starring or supporting role in a, in a in a big series, a big American series. So I I, I hold out for that, and uh, I hope that that's going to, to come my way. Uh, and I, I and I and I love doing the big time shows so much that I want to keep doing them. I, I in fact I want to open up um, a office in Florida. And uh, that's my big dream when it comes to retiring one day. I'm going to retire on the beach and I'm going to be producing dinner theater shows or, or not even dinner theater. I mean, just just uh, interactive entertainment uh, on the beach and entertaining tourists and, and giving actors a chance to, to make some money and entertain others and kind of take the formula that uh, that's worked so far and use it there. And who knows, maybe I'll get back into into teaching or to having an acting school. I don't know. We'll you know, I, I love that um, uh, being an actor, you, you, you end up with uh, so many uh, transferable talents or skills, you know, and, 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 and the improbability makes ensures that you land on your feet. So, you know, I'm like you two guys, you'll never be unemployed. You'll never be underemployed. You'll always find, you'll always find something to do. And if that means putting yourself out, you know, in a play or, or doing stand up, you're, you're going to do it you know you're going to do it and you'll find a way to enjoy it and um and uh, have fun and, and make some coin too Sha -la -la -la. <laughs> that was great um 
Yeah. One thing I just want to go back. Um, you mentioned ego, not letting successes um, affect your ego that way. One of our mentors, Tom Totteroff, often says, um, your ego will ruin every blessing in your life. Your ego is not your amigo. Uh, and that's a great, a great lesson. And you, I see, love that, you see that every day in, in TMZ world where it's like, how could someone have everything they could possibly ever dreamed of having and then figure out a way to fuck it all up. And it's ego that does that. So thank you for that reminder too. Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon, anything else? I think we're, we're bringing this podcast ship we're home. Are we? home. Oh yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Pete. This was great. Hey, yeah, my great episode, Peter. Uh, thank you for all the listeners. Make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are uh, looking at. Uh, and uh, if you want to check out more from Actors Audition Club, hit us up at Actors Audition Club on Instagram or you can go to laughingvikings.com. Make sure to check out bigtimemurder.com. Uh, and Peter Dillon, if you're an actor or if you're looking to book a corporate show, private dinner theater show, and who knows, maybe you'll get Brandon and I as uh, the cast. Brandon, you might be getting all three. You could have all three of us in mm -hmm. your living you room <laughs> for your next birthday party right now. Go to bigtimemurder.com. Uh, we appreciate you so much, Pete. Um, thank you for all the, the work you provided for us. It's been a pleasure and a joy to do so many shows with you. So we love you. We appreciate yeah, you. And thank you. Um, here's to here's to more fun. Right on. Thank Time you, guys. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for for sharing your talents, guys, and thanks for this opportunity. Take oh, care, everybody. Yeah. yeah. All right. Peter Dillon, everybody. Bye 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 bye. Bye bye. Clap them out. <laughs>